Welcome to another episode from our I Decided series. This series is dedicated to some people I know, some friends I cherish, and some clients that I've had the privilege of working with over my coaching life. All these people have one thing in common. They had an I Decided moment. A time in their life where they decided to plan a life they want to live in, or create a business on purpose. I first met Alan in the early 1990s. From the first time we met, I noticed something different about Alan. He had a quiet demeanor, but a fierce determination and a passion for sailing. A few years earlier, Alan had met his wife, Sydney, and within 10 weeks, they were married and set off sail across the Pacific to the USA and Canada. As they hadn't really known each other before they were married, Alan and Cindy got to know each other extremely well over the next six months on this epic voyage across the Pacific. Alan and Cindy lived on their boat, a Top Hat 25 small cruising yacht, for several years while attending Bible College and working in Canada. After college, Alan regularly sailed up and down the west coast of the US, professionally delivering boats for yacht builders and brokers to their new owners. They sailed back to Australia via Mexico and the Pacific Islands with Cindy and their infant daughter, Amy, settling back into the Lake Macquarie area and working in a family business. Alan felt the seas calling him again. Part of Alan's plan in coming home was to launch a campaign specifically to do the BOC yacht race. His next sailing adventure was to sail around the world alone in the BOC Challenge, a single-handed yacht race, 27 thousand nautical miles of sailing in four stages. Alan started the race in September 1994. Alan and 19 others sailed out of Charleston Harbour in South Carolina, USA, and after 181 days, Alan arrived back to see the lights of Charleston again after this epic voyage, many times not knowing if he could, all the time believing that he would. The complete story of the voyage is laid out in Alan's book, Against All Odds. Alan's an avid sailor and very, very practical, no-frills type of person. When I asked him to share on the podcast, he said, well, I haven't really done anything that's special. I think you have, mate. You've done a lot of things that are special, even though you may not think it's that special right now. Alan raised the funds from multiple contributions and community support, and then he had his yacht, Newcastle, Australia, built. He sailed it to the start line in South Carolina, halfway around the world, to begin his BOC Challenge race. So I guess you could say that Alan sailed around the world one and a half times. Alan didn't win the race. He placed fourth, but won the hearts and respects of all he sailed with. Alan won two medals for seamanship, the first for saving the life of a fellow competitor, and the second for sailing jury-rigged around Cape Horn. Alan's alternator died, his computer failed, he could not receive weather reports for several weeks or fleet updates. He had to deal with 50-foot-plus wages, cyclonic winds, snow, hail, being dismasted, losing a rubber, having the seas roll the boat over several times, surviving the doldrums, missing his wife and family for nine months of racing. I invited Alan to speak on this podcast series because of all the people I know, Alan depicts someone for me who decided to plan a life he wants to live in. Alan and Cindy are based on the south coast of New South Wales in a seaside town near Jervis Bay and have a sailing charter business and consults on various projects. Alan is still involved with the single-handed sailing events and supports the new breed of professional sailors racing non-stop 
round the world in the Vendi Global Race. Alan, welcome, and thanks for being on board. Dan, how you doing? How, how's the COVID affecting you? Oh, COVID's, 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 COVID. It's affected <laughs> everybody the same. It's an absolute disaster. Um, yeah, oh, wow. It's funny, isn't it? It's, it's yeah, difficult time for everybody, I think, this thing. It really is. We're probably... We're probably better off than many people, but from a business perspective, our just uh, most of the things we do require travel and been pretty difficult. And also tourism business that we have here, project stuff that I do, um, it's it's been pretty hard to keep things going. It's tough when you want to be out on the water and you want to be doing things there to to be locked down and uh, have that prevented. It's it's not fun. Yeah, we like momentum. We, we've kind of I don't think anyone's got much momentum at the moment, but yeah. life's good. It is difficult to, 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 yeah, to hold that momentum in business. A lot of business owners are feeling that as well. Like they've been working hard at their business for a long time and then they feel like it's just stopped uh, mm. and, and it's not in their control and it's a, it's a huge struggle. Where I'd like to start today is just, just talking about the challenge of, of the BOC, single-handed yacht racing and, and several other subjects. But when and how did you get that first glimpse of inspiration to believe that you could sail around the world by yourself and where did it come from where did that desire come from it's funny it, it sounds ludicrous but i was eight and i said to my family um i remember my grandmother laughing her head off and i said i don't know what the conversation was but i said i'm going to sail around the world by myself and it um might have been in response to getting hassled by my brothers or something but anyway I was determined from that moment and it's funny looking at it with hindsight I'm thinking that was you know 1970 71 or something and that was just in the pay in the period of time in a couple of years before that people had sailed around the world by themselves you know, people in Australia remember Chichester and yes. Alec Rose and people like that in that was like 1967 and, and they navigated with one stop and then that created some momentum um, where a group of guys, people in, in around the world decided, well, if somebody, if he could do it with one stop, the next challenge is with no stops. And I think probably historically, maybe there was a newspaper snippet or a, a, an article on TV or something that was about that. Yeah. So I don't exactly know where it came from. I was living mm-hmm. in the country in the Hunter Valley inland we used to go to Coffs Harbour so we've been to the beach a lot um when we were kids and, but where it came from specifically I don't know but it's always been part of me what you know when I was a kid growing up I was I was going to see and I was gonna that was gonna be I was gonna make my living there I was gonna be there I was gonna I was gonna go there and I don't know if you'd remember what what grandma said when you when you told her that you were gonna sail around the world but when, it, when you'd kind of got that, that idea and, it, and it's percolating and, and moving, moving around in your mind, this boy from the bush starts to move down towards Lake Macquarie, who was the first person uh, of influence in your life that, that could take that idea seriously for you and move it forward? And when you shared with them, what, what was the feedback that they gave you? Wow. Probably, so when you're eight, and then you're going to be nine and ten. I got a. I bought my first boat when I was eleven, and it was a little eight footer, a Sabo, little uh-huh. junior training boat. And I took this kid I knew owned it, and I took him into buying it, uh-huh. and, um, selling it to me. 
And and then we went and told our fathers that we'd done this deal. Cost 50 bucks. (laughs) (laughs) And so it was funny because I actually used to get picked on at school. They used to call me sailor, sailor boy or sailor. And we, we didn't know anything about sailing or what that was. But anyway, so as a interesting, what I did, I the people that encouraged me, my parents were always encouraged. They encouraged their kids. Every one of us have done different things. Our parents kind of we were unfettered. We're all allowed to go in our own direction. Must have been hectic for them. Anyway, and, and they they just treat us all individually and if they could help us a bit, they could like taking me to the lake, for example, mm-hmm. things like that of a mm-hmm. weekend and that was a big time commitment out of their life and suddenly they had to do that. They were always encouraging and helpful and gave us a lot of freedom, um, which was really nice and I always appreciated that. So I do remember Nan laughing when I made that announcement and mm-hmm. probably though, for me, it's all compressed as if it's all one block of my life and my sailing. It's all tight, I think mm-hmm. you could say. And But as a little kid, the reality of that is you, you're on your bike and you're riding down to the local pool with your mates, aren't you? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Rock fights under the bridge, <laughs> things like that. So yeah. that idea was there and it was definitely a motivator and I was always there. I was always, how do I get on the water? If I saw a tinny go past, I'd be looking at it, you know what I mean? Just because it was a boat. And when we'd go on holidays to mum's family hometown up at Coffs Harbour, where we always went as kids, I'd just get dropped off at the marina and I'd walk around Mutton Bird Island at the breakwater and just look at boats and think, okay, how do I do this? So I, and I was an avid reader as a small boy, a little kid. So I got reading early books about boats, adventures at sea started falling on my lap at school and I had teachers that would... Um, when it was book week each year, they'd come with a handful of books about the water and boats and navigation and say, what, which ones should we get, Alan? And they'd stock the library and there's, there's shelves. And I was the only kid that ever checked one of those books out, but I read them all. It was really, it was a little bit surreal, but it was really nice because those people, those, they were, I went to a Catholic school, so they were, they were, a lot of them were nuns and they would, they encouraged me. They discouraged me when I used to hide the books behind my folder in the English class. I'd be reading about some adventure at sea and all the other kids are doing maths or something else. They didn't appreciate that, but they still, they, they encouraged me. I think they knew that I had a vision and, and they, okay, how can we encourage this kid? He hates school otherwise, but he loves reading and he loves boats. So what can we do to grade him a little bit? And, and I think that had a, a big influence on me. A, they respected my motivation and and they just tried to filter me info. That was pretty helpful. It was pretty nice. I still appreciate that. See them come up with this book. Is this, would this be suitable? But I was 11, you know what I mean? And mm. I've got the choice. The word encourage means to promote courage. And you had some good encouragers around you promoting that courage inside of you. But who, who was one of your early heroes, one of your early people that you looked up to and I wouldn't mind doing what they're doing? I, I don't know if I thought like that as much as I must have been because I was inspired by people who'd written books because of, you know, the TV, there wasn't all the information we have available nowadays. So I, I was reading books to learn about, A, how do you sail and what do you need when you're at sea? I'm going, I'm talking about a little kid with an 11-foot boat and I'm building mock-up cabins and I'm going to deck this eight-footer over and sail to New Zealand, you know. 
when I was 11. I was used lots of cardboard and thin plywood. And so I was learning about, I was reading about boat building. So I was understanding a bit about structures and what was required. The seriousness of it, I think, um, I was aware of very early. I knew I had to uh, reach a certain level. It wasn't just a, let's, I can go and do it. And in fact, you know, this is a bit embarrassing, but the very first little sailing boat I went on, went, we, we had this kid, this um, guy, and he's, anyhow, mum used to mind this kid you know, before and after work or something for his dad. And they had a little boat and we went sailing probably when I was nine with this father and son, um, friends of ours. We went sailing and because when you're nine, you think you can do things. That, anyway, so we went sailing. We later on came in and we put the boat was on the beach and there was another boat had an upset they capsized or something. And the dad of this, the, our friends, went out with the, another boat and helped this um, capsized little 14-footer or something. They went out and rescued them. So me and Michael, the other young guy who was younger than me, we thought, well, why don't we sail out there with them and see what's going on? So we launched this little boat, had no idea, and and we jumped in it. We're paddling around and getting ready to go, but we actually damaged part of the rudder fittings. It was a sort of a soft bronze, sort of a bronze fitting, and we bent the rudder pintle, and the rudder was stuck and not right. You know, we kind of knew. We thought, oh, we're done. So we anyhow, and then the father turns up, and I always remember him saying. He kind of said something to the effect, like, I like where you were heading, you know, you're taking initiative. But he said, Michael, you know very little, and Alan, you know absolutely nothing. And I, I was shattered. And I think that probably impressed on me the need to learn and to be, yes. to work at a, an appropriate pace. I go. Does that yeah. say anything to you? Absolutely, and, um, yeah. Look, I can so still many- hear that. That's making me shake. There's, that was there's, a hard lesson. There's an enormous amount of people who want to step out on an adventure, start a business, do something significant, and they want to do it spontaneously rather than significantly, you know, and they don't yeah, we want to do it. we were pretty spontaneous that day. <laughs> and there's so much that's important because you've got a lot at stake. And, and that little lesson that you learned as a young person probably put you in good stead over the years because, yeah, it was enough of a shock for you to say, geez, if I'm going to do this whole round-the-world gig then i've got to be 100 percent ready and my boat needs to be as well and you know and like like i said i was only nine or something when that happened and and i hadn't even been sailing apart from that exercise so yeah i think it was a good thing to be aware of be reminded well i was put in my place (laughs) and those bits of advice are as good as sometime the encouragement as well so you've had the encouragement you've had the the hard fact advice you've got you know, down to Lake Macquarie, you've got your boat and uh, and you meet Cindy. Tell me about meeting Cindy and, and what happened from there. That's a whole story. That's a that's probably the biggest adventure of my life. Um, I built a little boat. I'd, actually, the boat you're referring to was my the second boat I'd, I'd fit out and got ready to go sailing. Launched a little 20-footer a couple of years before and was actually anchored down more down the hill from your house and um, was living aboard there on and off. Having built that, that was a great exercise because I was, I was still working up the valley and living at home, and I bought a hull and deck of a little yacht, and I built that over a 13-month period. Took it, took it, it was a small steel boat. It was sort of an experimental thing. Took that 
from a bare rusty steel to a nicely painted, beautifully nice little cruising yacht. But it was just mm-hmm. not suitable for what I really wanted to do. But it was a great exercise because it gave me a great learning experience. And it sure. and it sailed. It was a beautiful little boat. But it, but I just knew when I when I was using it and taking it out, we did some little jaunts off the coast, and I just knew I wanted something a bit more serious, I guess, and um and prepare and, and purposeful. So then I um I bought a a, a fiberglass again a, it was a hull and deck kit, so it was a fiberglass mouldings a hull and deck of a twenty five foot yacht, which isn't much bigger, but mm. it was a substantial upgrade. And I knew that particular design. I knew of one other one that had already circumnavigated in the in 1970. And so the boat had a reputation and I'd learned a bit more by then. And and I'd been doing ocean sailing. I'd been going with other people crewing out into the Pacific and racing and cruising and had a few little adventures up my sleeve. So I was I was I was I was getting to the pointy end of being able to jump jump off and do my own thing. So I fitted out that 25 footer. And had just launched it. I fitted out at Marmon Cove and and was living aboard in the lake and just cruising around doing a couple of little um, trips offshore again. And Cindy was she was living in Warner's Bay. I actually met her at a local church that we both coincided and ended up being at. I was drawn there by some mates of mine that I that were friends of mine that were um, living in the area and they were going into Hamilton. Um, Hamilton Energy it was called then. Mm-hmm. And um, anyhow, so I went there to hang out with John and Mark and the others, and you know some of those guys. And um, so, so we kind of had a mutual mutual friends during in the course of that. And and a couple of months later, um, I I met Cindy and thought, oh man, this this anyhow it unsettled me. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to leave. I launched that boat in November, and I was going to leave in the and I was going to sail to New Zealand and and then up to Canada by myself and that was had, that was my plan I'm ready to launch you know I'd sailed 10,000 miles already on other people's boats and I knew I wanted to a lot of people are really content just to go sailing on someone else's boat or to be a crew or to be part of a team and what and and I'd done a bit of that and it was really good experience but I was never that was never enough I always mm-hmm. wanted to own my own boat and to go where I wanted to go I guess and and so I think that people are directed toward your motivation is different for everybody me I was it was a full-time commitment it was a full-time lifestyle live aboard go sailing and at that point like I said I launched that one I'd had the little boat then I launched that one was living aboard getting it ready and um and then a couple of weeks before my departure date, I met Cindy, um, Cindy Smith, and um, and she was lovely. And so we started hanging out, and I was a bit interesting because I had a little yacht and I was going off on this adventure, so that probably gave me a bit of creds. And so we hung out, and we didn't want to not see each other, and, mm-hmm. and it was kind of pretty dramatic. Like we weren't, what's the word? Yeah, it was all. It was. It was kind of. It, in anyone else's story, it's a big compress. It's compressed and it's fast because I met this girl two weeks later. Asked her would she marry me and come sailing, sail to Canada with me. Well, I said, "Do you want to sail to Canada? Do you want to come with me?" And then she said, "Yeah, that sounds like a plan." And I said, "Well, we probably should get married, so I don't know what the logistics of that are." Then that was it. We we made a decision. 
which was pretty nice. And because I, I actually had left, I had left Newcastle and sailed up to Coffs Harbour for sentimental reasons. I was going to leave from there on my big voyage, having grown up there as a kid with family connection. I sailed up with a mate, Martin Jones, and then I left. We sailed out. We actually sailed out of Lake Macquarie, and I, we were just sailing up towards Redhead. And I, I said to Martin, I, I don't know if I'm. I don't know what's going on here, but I think I think I'm quite distracted. I'm not sure I want to do this so much. And he laughed, of course. You could probably see the writing on the wall, though. Mm. Anyway, so then I rang Cindy up when we got up there, and we got delayed with some rough weather, and we couldn't leave, and we're hanging around a bit. And then I rang her up and said, "I'm just thinking maybe go together. You know what I mean? Do you want to come?" And and then we yeah. So then. So, yeah, it was wonderful. I met her and she was ready to launch, I guess. It was just a timing thing. It was perfect. Mm. And we got on really well and we just kind of understood that fell in love, best decision of my life. And you still are. And yeah, you still yeah, are yeah. in love. You're still, you're still together. You're still going strong. And you're a great team and, and Cindy contributes, you know, so much into, into oh, not oh. a lifestyle but a life. Oh, totally, totally. It's amazing because we're... Yeah, anything I say here, even about me or my achievements and things like that, it's really us because we do it together and she's yeah. such an encouragement and support and she's really smart. So she sees things that I don't see and that's a really good, helps us both, doesn't it? Look, difference is so important in a marriage. You know, similarity means you've got two people who are doing something the same, but but where, where there's difference, you've got diversity and, and you're looking at different vantage points and, and different yeah. perspectives and, and it enriches a marriage. So, and I see that very much around you and you and Cindy. Yeah. So you're married, only what, one or two weeks? A week. Yeah. A week. One yeah. week and yeah. you're off and you're yeah. sailing across the Pacific all the way to, to the Canada. USA and, yeah. uh, and Canada ready to, to do Bible college over there. How long did it take to get across and how long were you in Canada for? We left, when we left um, Newcastle, we sailed to New Zealand. And um, so we did that as our sort of initial sea trial still. We're still sea trial, but it was brand new and it was only little, but it was very simple. It was just what it was and it was good. So that was a pretty tough trip for Cindy and for me probably. The Tasman Sea's notorious and it was true to form. So it was pretty rough and it was uncomfortable and it was um, probably cold. So it was late April now, so I was going to leave in February. So... Mm -hmm. It's now later in the season, so it's, I think, the 27th of April. And we sailed to New Zealand, which is over, it's like 1,200 miles to Opua in the Bay of mm-hmm. Islands. So, but to get there, it's a couple, it's like 150 miles around the coast. So we sailed to North Cape, and that's 1,000 miles in a straight line, pretty much due east of Sydney and Newcastle. So we had a mixed bag. It was quite rough for, for probably 60% of it, and that went very calm at the end. So we were mm-hmm. drifting and dreaming. For the last couple of hundred miles, took us four or five days just to finish off when it couldn't mm-hmm. take 10 days for the whole passage. It took 15. And it was, again, it was a learning experience for both of us. It was a very tough trip. And a lot of people would have, you know, in Cindy's position, would have just went home. But she she loves adventure. And mm-hmm. 
and she's it's funny she's drawn to the solitude she loves the solitude of being at sea and the time where i'm i'm into the process and the the strategy of moving a boat across an ocean with different weather and you're looking at it and we didn't have a lot of information back then so it was very ad hoc and but she straight away loved the just being at sea and having time to think and look up and appreciate what's around you but she was seasick she was on a delirium mix of anti-seasickness tablets that we, you know, messed up and say she was kind of hallucinating a bit. That must have been terrifying. Anyway, so we got to New Zealand and and then we had a couple of weeks there, sort of dusted ourselves off, got a little bit more prepared and then we jumped off and the next leg was a, um, so that was a thousand miles the first leg plus a bit on the coast. The next leg was like 30, 300 miles, say, call it 3,000 miles way east in the Pacific and then up to French Polynesia with a stop in Tahiti. Everyone thinks if we're crossing the Pacific, we're going from island to island, but to get across the Pacific in the direction we were going, you've got to sail around the big weather systems that influence the whole universe. And so we had to go underneath the trade winds that everyone imagines as when you're coming west, heading west in the Pacific, it's great because the wind's with you but we were going we had to sort of duck down below it in towards the top of the southern ocean and then use the westerly winds that are down there to get it get us east enough so we could come up and sail through the across the trade winds and then we had about a week there which normally you do a passage like that most people want six months off and so we had about a week there took and did a similar passage distance up to Hawaii so we're doing really big jumps Hawaii was the next stop and then from there, there was another 3,000-mile leg into um, British Columbia, coming to the Pacific Northwest at Cape Flattery, the top westernmost point of America, continent, and then down into the around into Vancouver Island and Victoria, British Columbia. That was the end of a 1,000-mile passage, and it took us 115 days of sailing. So wow. Cindy hadn't sailed. She had a couple of days sails on Lake Macquarie when, when, I, was, when I was wooing her, and then... Then she just went and sailed 10, 11,000 miles. It's quite remarkable. You know, when you're young, you don't understand. You don't know what you don't know. I was still, my learning curve was still way on on the big angles. And that never stops really. And I think that's one of the things that attracts me to that sailing, especially the long distance stuff. That's my kind of forte, I guess. And I, it takes 100% focus, even though you're mm-hmm. out there in this beautiful environment. It's, it's a very serious business. And yeah. in a small boat, it was it was wonderfully satisfying. Well, that's, you know, that's an epic story in itself. How, how many years were you in college? <clears throat> then you started to move boats up and down the the West Coast there? Yeah. So, so that trip, when we left, it was an open-ended voyage. We were just going. We we're sailing. Right. I, I had a it's funny. I was I was already committed to going to a college over there. Booked in the, some time before I'd met Cindy, so we were going to. It was a short-term intensive Bible training, Bible college. It was just a personal growth thing. Being a committed Christian, I just want to know a bit more about what what it's all about. And I thought that would be a good thing to do. It'd give me a a bit of a purpose to get a not justify anything, but just to. It gave me a bit of direction and purpose when I was fitting out that little boat that I knew mm-hmm. I had a bigger picture in mind. I thought that's a good way to just go and get some more exposure and experience and understanding. Yeah, anyway, so I booked into that college. I thought I might go to one in America and I was doing some research and some friends mentioned that they knew of this particular college. They had gone to a sort of a sister school in Europe 
and mm-hmm. they mentioned, oh, I think I think they have a college on an island in mm-hmm. Canada. And I thought, oh, that makes sense. I could tie the boat up there and live aboard or something. And it just seemed to fit. And when I applied, when I got in touch with them, it all made sense. And I thought, mm-hmm. oh, that's where I want to go. I felt peaceful about that. Felt It felt like I was part of the course, if that makes sense. It was on course and it suited all the other things around that. So, and Cindy being like-minded, she's was, you know, we met at church. So she was happy. She thought that was a great thing to do for us as a young couple, just moving forward, the start of our life really together anyway. It was a good thing to do. With such a, a short courtship yeah. and then a massive adventure, it was probably interesting just to be still just for a little while and, and, and just be a couple after. Well, well, you know, that was a real challenge because we'd never been together around other people. Suddenly, I'm pretty unco anyway around people. Suddenly we're in these, we're eating dinner with 80 other students and we're, we're on kitchen detail and we're living in a house with three other couples. And it was, and it, the program, the schedule wasn't ours. It was, we had to do, you know, we had, to, we had classes and we had things to do surrounded by people constantly. And that was a big adjustment for me, mm-hmm. especially. I had to get reprogrammed a little bit because we just weren't used to being interacting as a couple around other people. That was a pretty, that was really interesting because, and at sea we got on famously because we just talked about, we just Mm. talked about the moment where we're at and what was going on, but we had time to get to talk about funny anecdotes when we were kids or things that happened or even what job, you know what I mean? We were first date things and we were already married because we hadn't hung out. We hadn't really been by us until we got married. Just because there was other people around, we were with friends and Cindy's sister, Vanessa was always in, hanging around and, and there was a lot going on. So um, to getting organised, to get mm. married, and it, was, it, was, it was quite a unique situation, I think. So from college, then you started working down the West Coast? Yeah, the college was one year or a one-year curriculum, but it was like 10 months. And then, so we started that in the fall. We arrived up there in September and we were a couple of weeks late after my schedule being late and weather and things like that, you know, it's a tiny boat. You don't control yeah. anything when you're out there. You're allowed to pass through, if that makes yeah. sense. So we got there a couple of weeks late, but that was all right. And then we did that program and that was really good. And then we got work. Uh, we turned our student visas into work permits. We, I got a job in a boatyard um, nearby, further down, just on the main, well, I was on a bigger island. So we sailed from the small island down the, the, across the bay and into another island, Vancouver Island, which is a large island. I got a job. We hauled out there to do some work on the boat because it hadn't been out of the water since I launched it. And I got a job in a boatyard there. And Cindy was, um, she got a couple of different jobs in the area at the post mm-hmm. office and in a restaurant, things like that. We were just trying to start catching up now. And so we needed to work. And it was really good for me to work in a boatyard with some professional environment. That was really good because I'm working with shipwrights and mm-hmm. a whole variety of different boats and big, big fishing boats, a lot of commercial fishing up there. So that was a really good experience also for me as part of my continual growth and learning. You know, I'd build a couple of boats and I'd work in boatyards in New Zealand and things like that. It was just good. that was a good opportunity to work with some good people and and we enjoyed living there too. It was fun. It was we were kind of you know it was just fun. It was good. We had a good time. And then we actually before we were, we had a, typically you have a plan and we were going to spend the season there and then sail up to Alaska. 
before heading back down the west coast of America. And but mm-hmm. Cindy fell pregnant, which caused a little bit of a, an adjustment, <laughs> and we were both terrified. And then we we decided to well, we were able to extend our work permit so that we had Annie, our daughter, um, in Canada. And then we left. Um, she was three. We had her and she was on the boat after five days. They're in hospital for five days. They knew where she lived, so they gave her a good rest. Sydney a good rest at the hospital, which was nice. And then, uh, then we're back on the boat. And then a couple of weeks later, our visas was due to expire. And everyone thought we just lived there now. We've got this little baby and people loved Annie and they liked us. And we were integrated a bit into the area. And then we just said, oh, we're leaving on Tuesday or whatever it might have been. And they all, all these mouths dropped open and said, Anyhow, so we just packed the boat and took off. So that was a bit of a challenge for us to have a tiny baby on board and without any family support and things like that, we probably didn't know what we were doing. So thank you, Annie, for being so cooperative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we didn't drop her overboard or anything, so it was pretty good. So we actually sailed. What we did, we're a little bit sensible in that um, Cindy was still, you know, that's a physical thing to have a baby. And so she's kind of getting over that and the whole newness of it all. And he was tiny. And we sailed just, we're in uh, in those islands there. It's like an inland waterway. There's a bunch, hundreds of islands and we weren't far from Seattle and Vancouver. Yeah. So we sailed down through some, you know, just across the channel and you were in America. And we went down to a couple of American islands and then into a harbour there. And we hung out for a little while just getting our bearings together. Mm-hmm. And and then what we did, we um, Cindy and Annie went overland down to Oregon where we had some friends. So they mm-hmm. stayed there rather than do the first long offshore trip uh, as a new little, you know, with a baby. So I sailed solo on that leg from um, Washington State down, had to go out. It's like 100 miles to the sea almost. And um mm-hmm through the straits there and then jump offshore and I did a non-stop trip down to San Francisco and then um then we stopped there we had a we had a bit of a break again we had some friends so I went overland and got the got the girls and we came um I rented a little car and we came back a few days later and we were back on the boat living full-time together then it was another few years to get home or another two and a half a bit over two years to get back to Australia but we weren't even going to Australia at that point we were just sailing we're out now this is our life and we got a, a little kid and we're doing our thing so sail yep. to one harbour and get a bit of work I'd, we'd varnish a boat or we'd do some caulking or something and then you know we got another hundred dollars and we'd go again sort of thing and it was a grand adventure I think and but mm-hmm. we didn't really, yeah so when we left Australia it was an it was a, we didn't have a use by date. We didn't know when we'd come home. It was an open-ended voyage and we were just heading out, starting our life together. And we didn't really, yeah, like we said, so at that, by, at that point when we were going down the west coast of the States and started picking up some delivery work and moving boats for other people, which we both did together, uh, we'd, we'd just drag Annie along and she'd stick her in a corner and and she handled it. She didn't mind being with her parents, and we just go and do it. And and it was again, it was a really good learning experience. I got to sail a bunch of different boats and work with some different people, and it was really good, a good time. And then we sailed down to Mexico, and we we kind of nominally thought we'd probably sail down to Panama and into the Caribbean, and mm-hmm. then work over there for a while. There's a lot of yachting and um, sailing, and I would have been able to get heaps of work, and like we would have together. And um, we thought we'd just go there for a while. You know, what else was where, you know, again, it was just, well, we could go there, we can get work because we can't work much in America. And so it's difficult to do that. 
legally. And so we just were nominally heading in that direction until we decided not to head in that direction. Yep, go west instead of east. Yeah, and, and we did that when we decided what we might do further on, which was the um, race mm-hmm. we talked about earlier. So that was a little thing that was looming just on the sides. We talked about it, and um, I'm not sure where we're at. But anyhow, so at that point, we're sailing, and we ended up having two years nearly on that coast. Well, we ended up in Mexico for about 15 months, and that was wonderful. That was a, That's a great place. We still love Mexico. We had some really good times there and a few little adventures and um, some hard sailing up the coast back to taking boats back to the States because it's mm-hmm. quite a hard slog getting them back upwind. Um, it's called the Baja Bash. And so I did that a number of times and we kind of eked out a living and it didn't mm-hmm. cost much to live then. We could have tacos. We could go out to dinner for like a dollar twenty. You know, it was all pretty good. It was a long time ago now. And so we, we spent a, a good amount of time there and that was really good because we were growing Annie up and learning about her and we had mm. plenty of time to power and you know we're sort of improving the boat a little bit as we go and doing different jobs and things and just getting more organized and getting more perspective on what we need and what we've got away with so far you know yeah. well this concludes our first part of our story with Alan Nabow I hope you've enjoyed it so far and I hope you're able to listen to part two Part two we hope to have finished in the next couple of weeks and we will get it uploaded to you as soon as possible and notify you when Thursday Thoughts comes out in two weeks. Thanks again for listening to I Decided. I hope you've been inspired by Alan's story. It is amazing, the next part, uh, part two, and I'm sure you will enjoy it. Thanks for tuning in and thanks for being part of our I Decided series. Catch you next time. Thank mm-hmm. you.